0: Welcome Katie Hellwig to How to Build a Village. So happy to have you here. Uh, Katie is a boy mom, a Californian living in Italy, a PR pro and a blogger who's inspired by culture, design, health, and the greater good. She writes for a blog called Passport Bebe, which is an artistic space where mothers share their stories and projects. And i really enjoyed getting to know Katie through my sister-in-law in Italy. So welcome, Katie.
1: Thank you, Jill. I'm happy to be here. So
0: first I'd love to ask, as you live in such a beautiful part of the world, I would love to find out what brought you there and how you've enjoyed adapting to living as an American in Italy?
1: Oh my gosh, this is a big question. I could give you the very short response or we could go further. Well, let's just sum it up at first by saying a little bit of destiny played its hand in, in bringing me here to Italy. Italy is a beautiful country. I found I've found over the years that I connect with it in a way, because I find so many similarities to in the terrain and in the variety that Italy offers. We see the same thing in my home state of California. Mm. There are beautiful vineyards, there are beautiful beaches, there are beautiful mountains. And when uh, at times when I have felt out of place or far from home, sometimes reminding myself in these similarities is what i need to feel grounded again so it's it's not so different from where i came from which was also a beautiful place i was raised in san diego california my husband so my husband is italian i met my husband in 2008 uh, while working um, on a trip to monterey california he his passion and his work is in classic cars and mm. my work has been in classic cars for um, a number of years now. And we were there and we just happened to meet. Fast forward several months and some major life changes in my personal life. And I took a trip to Italy. There was a, a ticket that had been purchased that was unused. And so I changed the name from my mother's to mine, uh, long story short. And I came over, and I came, and one of the one of the people I came to so after doing a, the tour from Venice to Florence to Rome, ten days. I continued to travel, and I saw Cinque Terre, and I made my way up to Milano, and I I knocked on Massimo's door. Essentially, we had coordinated ahead of time, and we spent some time together, and so eventually we fell in love, and our, or we quickly fell in love, and event and my life was fairly open-ended in some in many respects. And so again, long story short, there's a there, there are many pieces to this, but I eventually took the jump. Um, I took the leap of faith and I moved to Italy in 2013. I had no plan other than to be and marry my husband. <laughs> <laughs> who is now my husband. <laughs> my then boyfriend, my now husband. So that was the only thing I was betting on because otherwise I wasn't sure why I would be here. <laughs> and I am so glad I did. Um I love I love Italy. We had been we'd moved we originally lived in a different location. So the beautiful area where I am in now, we were just south of Milano before kind of in the in these rice fields. That was had its own beauty and and it has its own special charm um and I I spent several years there that were very my important that that is that is the area that basically cradled me for my (laughs) for my early time in Italy but for the long term he and I both chose the lake region where we are now um, because I'm I guess I feel more at home amongst the hills and near the water
0: oh Beautiful, beautiful way of, of putting it. And I know Italy has had, as we all have, such a tough time with COVID and now starting to come out. So how has that been re-exploring the terrain with the new freedoms?
1: New freedoms. I mean, yes, we had such a tough time. The lockdown was so strict for us. Many of our liberties were taken away from us, obviously in an effort to protect the people in the country because they were just so hit and they were hit such a hard way. As we have relaxed a little bit more as vaccinations have occurred, as things are slowly opening up um, and we can move about, it has been wonderful. Um I think there's still some travel restrictions from for foreigners coming into this country mm. or depending on where you're coming from. However, in Italy itself, uh I I think we are we are now at this point where we can move around and do and we're I think we're almost to a point where we can take off our masks but it's been exhilarating it's um everyone's cautious but it's it it was so it's so beautiful and I guess we're just celebrating Italians know how to celebrate life and so it it feels I guess we we're all feeling this this sense of um being reborn again in a way It's, it's, it's special
0: and what are your favorite places to visit in Italy and why
1: Gosh, I haven't seen nearly enough yet. Um, What have I loved to, where have I gone so far that has been amazing? Um, Well, I've loved getting to know Milano. Um, It's a beautiful city. It's not as famous or spectacular as say like Rome or Florence, but it has kind of an understated, more conservative underlying um, beauty about it that's hidden in many aspects. And so that has been special. It's also very sophisticated and kind of a hub of commerce. So learning about the north where I live has, a, has been special to me because this is my new home. I've loved being now that I'm I'm we're living near Lago Maggiore, mm. um, which is shared with Switzerland. We and basically in the lake region we have Lago de Como, Lago Maggiore, you know, um, Lago d'Orta. Um, All these, we're also very close to Lago d'Orta, which is spectacular. Um, So beautiful, a little bit smaller than Maggiore and Como and um, a little bit more untouched. Kind of you go back in time a little bit more. Iseo, I've been to, I don't recall, although I've heard it is so special as well. So special. And I can't wait to go back to kind of connect more with Iseo. Um, But I guess what I'm saying is these lakes are particular because there's a lot of history tied to the waterways fueling, flooding and bringing water to the plains, the plains lands of the north of Northern Italy, which essentially brought wealth to Northern Italy. They needed passageways and they needed agriculture. And it was Leonardo da Vinci was the key person involved in creating canals and passages for, to, to bring water from these lakes to this region as a whole. Um, so I find that to be so interesting and so beautiful. And these canals still exist today. That's the love that I have for where I live in the North. Um, But I've also loved going to Cinque Terre in in Liguria. I've loved going to the coastal area of Tuscany. Gosh, down there's, we have some friends who have a place down in a place called uh, Near Porto Ercole, Forte de Marmi. These are beautiful locations that also remind me a little bit of California, but are truly spectacular in their own right. So I can't really say it's always California. Um, I love my home state of California and San Diego, but I, I actually <laughs> prefer to live here. And where else do I There, I would say I had a beautiful trip to Sorrento and um, the Amalfitana coast with my brother. And we explored Capri and that was just, it was just a long weekend, but it was amazing. Rome, we did, we did our, we spent our honeymoon in Sardinia and we spent the last few days in Rome. I mean, it was amazing. Corsica is not Italy, but it's part of France. It's an island in the Mediterranean as well. And um, so we explored Corsica. Venice is amazing. I mean, but I'm, where am I dying to go still? I'm dying to go to um, Puglia. I'm dying to go to Sicily and explore Sicily. Um, Campania. I want to do more Alto Adige and like the Northern mountains. There's still a lot to see.
0: That's, I mean, it's true, isn't it? And you, even someone who's lived there, as long as you have, you, you still, there's still so much more, isn't there? There's just so, there's so many amazing places.
1: So many amazing places.
0: And, and how, I mean, as a Californian, and you say, you say there's similarities with California. Do you, do you miss California? How has it been? Do you feel transplanted or do you feel more Italian now that you've,
1: I feel more Italian now, Wow! but certainly there's a path. There's a, there's the piece of home that never goes. And in fact, this is something I always like to refer to this idea that I had. I like to say that in, in confronting this decision to move to Italy, I had to come to terms with all of this. And um, I love California. I loved my home before. I lived in Los Angeles and worked in LA. It's a great city. Grew up in a beautiful part of San Diego County. There was nothing bad to say about it, really, other than that I had a desire to see the world and to grow and to, to learn new things.
0: Mm.
1: But, you know, you feel sad when you leave a place that you love. You, you, you don't want to move away from it. But the idea that I, I I said, okay, Katie, you know what? Aha. I don't have to leave it all behind. I get to take it with me. So the California that I love, I take it with me. I, and I, I, I share that with my family and I bring kind of maybe little rituals, maybe whether it's some of that shows up in the kitchen, cooking for isn't to me is very important. It's a creative outlet that has been a consistent therapy but also kind of a pastime and the necessity so i lean on these like i guess these ideas and traditions and kind of rituals that from back home to always keep my home with me in the new place
0: i love the recipes you share the photos you share on instagram and these amazing meals you you create it is such a part of the culture isn't it In Italy. In Italy,
1: yes, it is. I mean, we all, many of us love to cook if we don't have to cook every day. I mean, when you, when you, we get all, we get tired when we're cooking every day for our family and having to clean up, but it's such a creative act. It can be. And so I try to always, and I I think I do pretty well. I always kind of, I relax in the kitchen. I can kind of just spend a moment not thinking about a million things. I just do what I'm, I'm putting together beautiful, fresh foods or trying to think about what's in season and give my family something with, with love that will, that will in nutritious. So, and yeah, and I love that food is so important to Italians. So that's been a big way. That's a kind of been um, a big connection. I, I I've connected with Italy in a, in a huge way through food.
0: And do you have a favorite dish or favorite meal, one that you enjoy eating and making? I mean, that you keep coming back to.
1: Nothing comes to mind because I, I like to switch it up all the time. I'm not, I'm not the girl who goes to the gelato shop and gets the same taste, every same flavor every time. Whereas there are people who do, my husband is, gets his, you know, plastic stracciatella and nocciola which is hazelnut and stracciatella for those who don't know is basically kind of an ice milk with chocolate flakes or chocolate chips in it whereas crema if you go to italian gelateria is more of a classic vanilla because you have egg in there i'm always getting something different i love to just take it depends on the emotions of the day how i'm feeling like a little bit of whimsy oh i've not tried this let's give it a shot so it's kind of how it is in the kitchen too. Though I will say that I am still a tra- I love tradition and the traditional meals that I have learned from my mother-in-law based off of my husband's family's traditions have been important to me. So I'm proud to know how to make her vitello tonato, which is an a dish from the Piemontese region of Italy, which part of my husband's family is from Piemonte. And the other part is from the north of Lombardia, basically the Milanese for the most part. But when you go back generations, these plates, these these dishes, you know, maybe you have three generations in, in Milano, but you have the, the fourth and the fifth were coming from the lake region of Piedmont. But the food in Italy, food is a tradition that is not typically changed. You'll often go to a restaurant and see, oh, this is, the, you can rely on the same dishes being the same things because many Italians lean on these traditions, with they're such a, they're so important. So this, you see this in food. So the vitello tonato that his family was making in Milano is the same that they learned when they were in Piedmont. Piedmont. And it's basically a, a dish of cold sliced veal. Mm-hmm. And um, it takes about two days to make it. And then you eat it on the third day.
0: Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Because uh, it needs to soak and sit, and it needs time to, the meat needs time to cool after you boil it so that when you slice it, it's hard enough. And then the sauce needs to marinate in the meat. um a, Then the, the cold slice veal is basically layered with a, a mayonnaise sauce that you make from scratch with capers and tuna and uh, anchovy basically, more or less, this is it. And um, there's a few other things in there. And so that sits, And it's very, it's very creamy. It's very um, satisfying. If you like these types of foods, if you eat meat mm-hmm. and you usually sop it up with a big piece of spongy bread to eat all the sauce. So that's his favorite dish. And I've learned to make that. And then there are a few others as well.
0: Gosh, huh, so it's impressive. You learned how to make that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It helps learning from, you know, when I started learning from my mother-in-law, I didn't speak Italian yet. She, but it was a way for us, I think, to connect. And so I remember the first time she taught me how to make a risotto milanese, which is um, basically risotto with saffron. And I, my husband taped us with the phone in the kitchen of our old home in this tiny little kitchen, because typically Italians have tiny little kitchens. They do beautiful things in these tiny spaces. I don't know how they do it. You're always cleaning them up up after yourself to stay on top of the mess. And um, I was following her, but not understanding a word of what she was saying. You know, you have to communicate through gestures and words and just watching. And so that's how I learned to make risotto. Um, And to this day, you know, I don't know how to measure the rice (laughs) other than doing handfuls. You know, you're supposed to do two hands per person and then one for the pot.
0: It's kind of a small serving, but I <laughs> That is so true. She so, you know, if you ever look at pictures of houses in the U.S., like, the kitchens have gotten bigger and bigger over the years. And it's true that in Italy, they're small, but they do. They work magic in these spaces. They do. They do. It's neat. But is there a, a book that you like that you think evokes Italy or any books on Italy, either either cookbooks or travel books? I do feel like Italy is such a place in the public imagination. You know, in the U.S., it's such, there's so many books about people who come to Italy to find themselves and learn Italian just to experience the beauty of the language or, you know, Italian cooking has been commoditized in many ways. But in the U.S., someone who's actually living the Italian life, is there anything you've come across that really says Italy to you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about food, it's not just about food, right? Food is representative of of life of so much more. So, when I've read a, a, a myriad of books, are the, the the person who connected us, Catherine, um, mm-hmm. she was she was very she was instrumental in in getting my feet on the ground here in this country, and she handed me some of her books, and I'm still very very grateful for that. The the first book she handed me was well let's say go I have a couple can I say a couple books Do I have to pick one no no that's okay fine. I, I, I have okay so I start first obviously Under the Tuscan Sun and Eat Pray Love were instrumental in getting me off the ground in California and coming here that
0: without, mm.
1: without those books I may have not made the jump
0: oh, that's so interesting I because I thought it's so you know because. Yeah, I mean, less so under I the testament. So, Pray Love, like she came for a few weeks. I mean, not to knock it. I also enjoyed that book, but I thought, I, I know you'll be some people say it wasn't authentic because it's not like she stayed there. Do you know what I mean? No. Like it's a, what guess,
1: she did. What she did was um, what you Pray Love for me was about was taking a leap into an unexpected second chapter of life, that twist of fate um, in one's life that sometimes occurs and everything changes after that. For me, my parents died. My parents died in 20, 2008 and everything changed. Everything. I had everything. I wasn't like a super planner, but I was very ambitious and I was all about my career. And I, I, it was just clear. Everything was simple um, it was all going in a certain line and I was moving, I was in New York and LA and I was focused and living a typical American, uh, woman, young woman's life. And then you, you have your, your twist of fate happened. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert went through a divorce mm-hmm. and I had my brother and I had the, our family had the death of both of our parents in the same year mm-hmm. by different, for different reasons it was tragic. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And so that for me was changed everything. I I stuck with it. I was the same year I met my husband, ironically. And so I, you know, so you try to kind of keep a handle on everything, but what she did in this book for me was that she eventually just let go. And she just, she said, okay, I'm just going to see what happens. And um, it's hard not getting choking up about it because um but it's so beautiful in a way you know i mean i i my 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 step my leap into italy happened in different stages i was i was i made sure i was going to stay responsible and hold on to my reins as long as possible so i did it and i i wasn't just moving without knowing i came in 2010 i gave it a try it scared the hell out of me i was it was so different I couldn't think of myself at 20, was it 20, 2010? I was I was 29 when I came here to just try it out with him. And I was terrified, just terrified. I ran away. <laughs> I jumped into, I had a very important job that I loved with a wonderful company in Santa Monica, California. I won't go down into naming names, but they are still, um, that was very, they were fundamental in my career, um, which I'm very, very grateful for. And so I went back to them and I said, I need a job. I need an apartment. Put me, I need some roots because basically my brother and I, you know, didn't have any more roots. We didn't have a foundation anymore with our parents gone. We sold the house. We, we just checked out, you know, it was like big open space. What it's almost like, you know, you want options in life, but when you have so much, you, you, you can do anything you want. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying we could have done everything we wanted, but in a way you feel so free. It's terrifying. Mm. And so I, I got to work, I worked hard I I did some good stuff with them. And then I realized that Italy was still calling me. And so I had to go, I had to jump. I had to do the Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, leap of faith and just try. And so that's where we are today. So without that book, I probably wouldn't have had a good example of, I wouldn't have had, I don't know, maybe, maybe in another way. And also under the Tuscan sun, which I've not read, I've only seen the movie, which I know I need to read the book. But it's in a similar way. She has a twist of fate. She has this divorce. She goes to Tuscany. She finds this old home. And, and, and so it's this kind of, it's all romantic at first. And then you get into the real deal. Okay. Now we're going to get to the other books because the, with the real Italian life as an expat is not eat, pray, love. And maybe eat, pray, love will get you here and you go, oh, I'm in a cloud. Isn't it amazing? And, and then after a while you go, oh okay, reality has not left the door. Reality is still here and it's not easy every day. So talk about the logistics of getting around, of driving a car. I ha- grew up driving a ma- uh, an automatic car. In Italy, it's typically difficult to find an automatic car. It's not so easy. It's it's you. Most cars are manual transmission. So I had to kind of struggle with that a little bit and eventually... <laughs> My now husband just basically just helped me. He's been so helpful and instrumental um, in making this life so much easier than it would be otherwise. I I think that landing in Italy as an expat without having somebody to help at every single step would be truly (laughs) difficult, so much more difficult than I've had it. And it's not been easy for me. So I had to learn a language. You know, when you're driving on the road and you see signs, for me, I was terribly intimidated by not understanding what the signs were saying. (laughs) I knew I was supposed to exit. Like, oh my God, you know. And then of course, like driving styles. Um, Though I have to say, New York and LA prepared me for Italy. So I'm very grateful for that. (laughs) And there are these nuances about the Italian people. I feel, I've always felt that in the United States, I'll get to my next book suggestion in a second. In the United States, we're raised to, you know, we, we, we pledged allegiance to the flag. We are taught to believe in the country as a greater whole. We're taught to trust in kind of the, the authority around us. We look to our leaders. And in at least in my naive life, I have done these things. And so I didn't, you don't second guess as much the system perhaps. And I don't mean to speak on behalf of everyone, but I guess it's, I'm just speaking in my own, from my own experience. Moving to Italy. Okay. And, and so these concepts translate into workplace. They translate into the way people run their daily lives, the, the way they even manage their homes. So I found a book, it's called The Italian's. It was sent to me by a friend through work. Um, my husband and I, we have a mutual friend. He sent that he said, Katie, you should read this book. It's called The Italians by John Hooper. And it is an extraordinarily thorough overview of Italian history. Going back <laughs> to the Vikings and the invasions of the country from all different borders and the You know, you have the, the Austrians and the, all these different groups of people who had come in, invaded and left or then reinvaded and this changing and, and then the history of the country with the wars and following the war and what the politics has meant. And what this means is it's led to a very complicated political system and a very complicated belief system in my own on you know, I don't mean to be an expert from what, but from what I gather, the Ita- Italian people have an inherent kind of reticence to trust others. Whereas we, I have always been a very trusting person in others, and it feels there's a little bit more of a confidence in an American upbringing with the country and where you're from than. Italians, Italians are very proud of their country and Italians are very proud to be Italian and they should be. But I find that there's this kind of this lack of trust and confidence in kind of the, the greater organization of it all. And that sometimes can be very difficult to work within. And it's difficult for Italians to work with each other because of that reason. But it's not their fault. This book helped me understand that it's basically history and it has constantly giving them reason to be a little bit standoffish and go, wait, I'm not sure about you because, you know, we've been, we've been um, handed difficult, difficult, a difficult fate with a difficult deck of cards, every single, every other century. So you, you see how this kind of translates into workplace organization and things like this, this book, and and I guess I've described it terribly, perhaps, but it has helped me understand it, understand Italians in a, in a fundamental way better. Let's say. Better.
0: Oh, I'm gonna check that out. Oh, that's yeah. fascinating.
1: Fascinating. And then Catherine, our our friend Catherine, she gave me an Italian education by Tim Parks. Have you heard of him? English author. That book. He is hilarious. Now, I have to say, I first read the book upon, you know, right off when I was really green. I'm now here in Italy since eight years, and I started reading this book. And I, I didn't get it. I was like, I, I felt, like I, I feel, I felt like I always understood. He's an English man, an English author. author. He lives in the Veneto region. I was like, I, I feel like I understand English humor, but I'm not getting this book. To me, it's not that funny. So I put it down, and then I picked it back up, maybe. Two years later, laughed so much. It laughed so hard the whole time because I needed time to understand. I needed time to sync with my new culture and to to realize all the truth that he was telling. And he wrote this book 20 years prior to my reading it, but it is still so valid. It's from everything from the way Italians decorate their homes with tiles, <laughs> like the this, like there's this like. Disgust of carpeting that <laughs> you would see in like American homes. Where I was raised, carpet. There's no carpet here. Absolutely, there maybe there are carpets that you can pick up and like bat off the, you know, take the dust out of. But there's nothing that sticks down because um Italians like clean homes. They love a good clean home, and you can't really clean carpet that well. You can scrub clean tiles though. So. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. And I, we went through a whole redesign. We, we, we designed our home here where we're living now. And we had to kind of go through this whole process. And so I find, I found it so funny, so funny. And then the beach life and the traditions and the summer and on the the personalities and the, the, just the traditions that are so deeply rooted, even that kind of you, when you see the the man who sells the coat, fresh coconut on the beach, it just it happens every year. It's been happening every year for a hundred years. It will keep happening, and it won't change because this is what Italy is. He does a great job of um, bringing a lot of humor and to it all. He does. It, he's a great author.
0: Oh, I'm gonna read that. That's so. That sounds great. I love things like that that people who live there think are authentic.
1: Yeah. There's another two books. I'm gonna I'm not gonna go into so much detail, but there's um A Thousand Days in Venice by Marlena de Blasi. I read. Mm. And this is a love story. So I connected with that, falling in love with an Italian man and uh, moving here. And uh, but also food, because she was a food writer. So there's them. she incorporates kind of the little food stories and a few recipes within her, her love story. And it's very beautiful. Uh, there's a lot of food journals out here that are tied to culture and travel. And I think it's so telling because it, it Italy is divided by so many different regions um, which in a way before Italy became United as a country were almost like little countries. Mm-hmm. So dialect divided them. They didn't speak the same language food divided them, It'd be based off of the terrain of where they were. Um, and everything was just so important to each area. And you would even have differences between towns. There would be a dialect difference within the same region, but maybe there was a 45 minute distance between one town to the other. They would speak two different versions of their their own languages. So it's very recent that Italy became united. So food is so important in understanding Italy because you go from place to place and you're tasting the history and the differences um, as you go.
0: That is such an amazing way to put it, that the tasting, tasting the history. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like I understand Italy better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, Katie. That is such a, such a great culinary and historical snapshot of Italy. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.